So we're live. Um, we're live and direct from uh, um, Tortured Tiger Studios. Indeed. Fans will know um, that that's where we come from. Uh, every time that we pop on the airwaves. For um, now, at least. For now. Yeah, right. Let's not, let's not, uh, let's not delve too deeply into the future because it's scary. But, you know, the future... Mac is also unknowable, or is it? Or is it? Or is it? Um, these are the questions we're gonna answer. These are the conclusively today. The in weighty this questions that we're gonna grapple with tonight in another uh, classic. Uh, you know, it's a movie episode, guys. Oh shit! Special episode. Special app, guys. Everybody, you know, the teacher is wheeling the cart into the room. <laughs> It has the TV on it. It has the little the little VHS underneath it. Um, you know, we get to watch a movie today, guys. Um, longtime listeners will recall uh, last time, several several episodes ago, when we watched The Men Who Stare at Goats, another um, mid aughts classic. I don't know. It's probably a bit generous to yeah, call it a classic. It's kind of a shitty movie, but a cult classic at the at best. At, at yeah. best. <laughs> um, this well, one is arguably a classic. We're bringing a little bit more, uh, you know, definitely kind of... a little bit more of a, a, a well burnished reputation to deal with. Um, so, okay, what movie did we watch for today's well, episode? Yeah, just or do a, you want to? I was just gonna is give there any quick, more preamble. Yeah, the quick preamble was just that, like, uh, we were already planning to do this movie episode but there's also since the last podcast just like so much fucking shit that's happened and like honestly we could talk about it but you've probably already are all super depressed with all the shit that's going on anyway so just like the world is falling apart man. i can't remember what what how much bad shit has happened <laughs> since the last time we recorded or since like you know the the time before that um but yeah but you guys have probably already been any day with so much news anyway that you know We'll just uh, give you something a little different. You know? Yeah, you know, we won't bother reminding you of two weeks ago's news, given our release schedule, which is the way we like to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, there's no, there's no need for all that. You know, put the news down, you news junkies out there, put the needle down, uh, and yeah, climb into our 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 sort of hazy opium den of uh, film film addiction it's way better than news addiction should we uh should we insert the like thing of the the thing the reel going like yeah the film <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it's uh you know it's it's movie magic um it's alive and it will always provide you succor when you're uh when you're feeling blue in my experience um so i don't know so do we want to go into any like other stuff or should we just get into let's the... do it let's all just right. go into it all right so after yeah, without further ado, of which there's been a lot, um, we're we're talking about the movie. What what movie are we talking about, Mike? Uh, 
Braveheart? I said without further ado, dude, you're, you're doing a do. <laughs> we're doing a do right now. We're talking about the Colbert. We're talking about the Minority Report. The, the minority, minority Report, Report, folks. It's 2002. Steven Spielberg's 2002. Um, you know, sci-fi hit. The Minority Report, featuring you know a a, a, pretty, a pretty illustrious stellar. cast, yeah. um, including you know Tom Cruise. We have Max von Sydow, the god, um, you know, R.I.P. to a uh, Teutonic legend. Colin, a young... Yeah, is, uh, is he no longer with us? Oh, yeah, he died a little while ago. But he, you know, literally from, you know, uh, got one of, one of his first major roles in Ing- Ingmar Bergman's um, iconic The Seventh Seal, which is like a 50s black and white scary... Not scary, like, horror, but just sort of like, ah... Um, this is heady stuff. Um, very Criterion Collection. Um, total boss. Um, anyway, um, Colin Farrell, who we have to, I, we'll get into this, but he is referred <laughs> to by Tom Hanks as as a as a that twink earlier on in the film, which inserts some really? interesting. Yeah, I totally missed that part. Yeah, we might have to. Uh, Maybe we can stitch some of it in. Well, but, this um, was Colin Farrell. Like, now he's in, like, other shit. He's been true detective and stuff. But, like, this was an era, I remember, where he was doing all the cop movies. And he's, like, really super plays into his, like, Irishness. And, like, he's super fucking Irish in this movie, too. Like, Well, it's weird because, like, yeah, I mean, like, before we get too ahead of ourselves. But it's true because, like, they mentioned that he's Irish and that he lo- his father was shot on the steps of... You know, St. Mary's Church, or whatever. <laughs> yes. but he actually has no Irish accent at all. Yeah, he doesn't. It's very, is, very little. Which yeah. I guess is fine. Like, I guess there are Irish people who. Or don't. like right before he dies, he spoiler alert, he fucking uh, yeah. kisses the. His, yeah, he's his got the rosary charms. the whole yeah. time. He's always yeah. he's always fingering the my rosary. lucky charms. <laughs> oh, my lucky charms! You finally got me lucky charms, you bastard! You great German bastard! Um, yeah. Okay, so let's. Um, so what's yeah? Maybe let's like, reel it in a bit. Well, maybe. Jonah, if you want to do your uh, your illustrious recap of the movie for fellows who maybe haven't seen it, I feel like a lot of people have seen it, but it's probably in the like dustbins of their memory. Dude, I feel like this the was the Minority Port was like it's up there with like first of all, it's a cl- it's a classic of the genre of um you know kind of badass white guy trying to clear his name, you know, or i.e. like badass cop who's one of the good ones and is just has to, you know, has to buck the, the rotten. Um, that's right. Buck the Mac. You don't have to yell, buck the sort of rotten corrupt agency that he's part of to clear his own names. It's very in the, it's in the Jason Bourne. Yeah, for sure. And in the same way, it's also like a classic, one of those movies you would like watch with your parents for movie night when you were like 12, maybe I'm projecting, but that was my experience. Um, my experience was that it was uh, the fucking at the big movie theater at my place. They used to have the giant banners of like certain classic movies that would hang. I think they had one for like fucking uh, uh, E.T. and they had one for like Signs and then like Minority Report was one of the other big ones. They this had is there. totally of a piece with E.T. Signs. It's very like late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, we can get into some of the some of the, you know, the the scenery around its release. It was it's adapted from a Philip K. Dick novel um, from, you know, the mid-century. And then um, 
who's for people who don't know just like Philip one of the K. premier Dick. creators of yeah, the sci-fi massive, genre really yeah like you know founding fathers of sci-fi um among other stuff but all history stuff um but yeah you know it was optioned it took a while it was produced in the pre-9-11 era um and came out in 2002 but it actually you know it's you know i will get into the themes but the upshot is basically minority report you know you have the a a near future set in 2054 washington dc so you're already in the most fucked up dystopian part of the country um and um um uh you have you have what's known as the pre the pre cum the pre no i'm sorry the pre crime division um the pre crime division has been uh has been you know created to um um sorry i'm just studiously uh checking my notes for for in order to be faithful to the source material okay so you have pre-crime uh basically we have the the creation of uh you know a type of um scrying of the future vis-a-vis these particular freaks who we keep in like a a a bath of milk at all times known as the precogs um and they are able to see the future via you know their sort of epigenetic gifts that are actually you know obviously also somewhat of a curse um the upshot um you know we are now arresting people for crimes particularly murder yeah i think that's the specific one um meditated murder type of stuff well well, not not only any and all murders and in fact murder has been has been effectively uh vanquished as a crime there have been no murders in six years um in this sort of pilot of the pre-crime program that's taking place in dc because anyone who's about to commit a crime um, can be intercepted by the pr- by the by the the pre-crime cops, um, which they like the the cogs whatever they produce like these little balls that like show the name of both the victim and like the perpetrator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's a f- kind of a funny. They have like they basically have like three hairless um, albino uh, Brooklyn hipsters <laughs> children, i.e., book or Brooklyn hipsters. Who are like in a milk bath? Who like operate essentially like a form of like of a murder gumball machine that just shoots these balls out? Uh, and then Tom Cruise. Um, I mean, we can get into we'll go into the blow by blow, but the upshot is that like they're storming through people's windows, they're stopping you in the second before you commit, you know, seconds before you're about to murder someone, and then, uh, you know, on the basis of that putting you in time prison forever because as is explained early on in the film you know something that's about to happen doesn't need to necessarily happen you know in real in 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 earnest in order for us to know that the die was cast you know that this person was about to you know stab their wife with a pair of scissors for cucking them for instance um, yeah, hypothetical. Just hypothetical. Um, you know, if their if their if their arm is raised, you know, then they might as well have done it. You know, which of course, you know, we open a whole canny, a whole thorny can of worms. It's a th- one of those classic cans of worms that has thorns in it. Um, well, and, and yeah, I mean, we'll jump back to the themes later, but I think just for the you know one of the interesting reasons that we like are watching it is because like this, we're like sort of seeing stuff like this right now because like there's police departments today that are um, 
suggesting that you can use like AI and different predictive algorithms to determine like where certain crime is more likely to happen in cities like that's happening now and it's you know it's not the same thing but it's like kind of of the same sort of idea there um which is interesting well i know i think in this film has been recognized for being pretty prescient in a lot of ways i mean for something from the basically the late 90s early 2000s they really did like anticipate um by one way or another like a lot a lot of the sort of insane techno specific technologies that are used to sort of surveil and control us um in various ways um but uh so like where it leaves it there is like basically that it when you're interject when you're put into the movie most premeditated crime has been basically like done away with in dc right because it's like no one wants to like it's like so it's such a high arrest rate that they just like don't even deal bother like doing the crime anymore and so it's like being poised it's this like sort of success story yeah and so basically as we it's like this we're plopped into the middle of this this trial program is under six years underway where murder has been eliminated um entirely from the from the from dc you know which is like the 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 guinea pig for this program um it's honestly there's so much confusing shit in this movie so we'll i think we should move through it but um but the upshot is that yeah you know everybody knows that if you try to kill someone the time cops will come and fuck you and throw you into time prison forever um so don't even bother and people don't um and this is all on the back of these like milk milk triplets who are have been gifted with certain special powers um by merit of their parents having been drug addicts which is also like a funny um sort of perspective on on crime and punishment here but um we'll run through starting from the top so you know as far as uh you know it's a pretty convoluted tale but we basically begin in you know how you know you're in a classical um, you're, or rather, the way you know you're in a, um, you know, a, in a dystopia, which is that everything is really sharp and gray, and there's classical music playing while people are like dicking around on computers that are made of transparent pieces of glass. You know, that's like a guaranteed no. Like you know, you're in for some, some dystopian uh, Kafka-esque nightmares when when that happens. Um, but basically, we, we, we arrive in the temple, um, which is like, and we have this, who, we have Colin Farrell's character introduced very early on as Tom Cruise and his little henchmen, who are time cops, are about to stop, you know, the murder of this guy. Rather, the guy is about to commit a murder of none other than his, his bitch wife who's cheating on him, <laughs> even though he offered to take her to lunch. Do you, what, do you remember this scene? I remember the scene right before he's like allegedly going to murder her, but not the scene. So yeah, the other one. thing that's iconic from this movie, if maybe if you've seen it or you've seen it a long time ago, is that like the way they envision this guy. So they're in their like command center and they're seeing like images of the future, but they're like sketchy and hazy because they're being like essentially like cast into being by the precogs who are like again these three twins who live in a milk bath and like have a bunch of neurons and they're like like little wires stuck into their heads so that they're like their visions can be can be shown to the to the cops so tom cruise is like has this 
these form these gloves where he's just like you know doing like he's doing like they look little... like archer's gloves they yeah. have like just two fingers <laughs> if you've ever seen the really funny clip from um sherlock have you ever seen that where he's like trying to put together the clue and he's just like literally like calling up all of this information where it's like zebra uh, crossing walk crossing walk invented in 1932 by john r mitchell mitchell the mitchell house the mitchell house is where you know drug addicts are going uh, drug addicts drugs drugs include heroin cocaine and he's like no that's not it and like swipe and he's like swiping them away the whole time it's like he's just like putting all these associations together you basically have that but it's like the future version um and they, he has these cool gloves where he's just like flicking images around on this sort of like hologram screen, and that's like the 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 essence. I feel like that's like the archetypal image of this film. Um, so anyway, they see this guy, um, Howard Marks, is his name in the film, who basically has an inkling that his wife is cheating on him, and so he's like trying to stay home. From, he's like, "Hey, babe, like, why don't I stay home from work today? Why don't we uh, go out to lunch?" And she's just like not listening to him and she's like oh, i have a fucking meeting okay like and he's just like okay and then he like leaves the house but then realizes you know perhaps in a premeditated fashion that he forgot his glasses so he comes back in in order to see this like weird guy who is just sort of lurking in the park outside of his house just like absolutely just going going nutty on his wife like just just blowing her back out um on his bed um, and then he just rises up. It's also really funny because, like, if you recall, like, he's just hiding bit practically under the bed, like, crying once he's, like, con- <laughs> his suspicions are confirmed. And then he's just, like, he's not even under it. He's, like, sitting like, right next, next to it. To it. Yeah. Like, imagine if you sat down next to your bed, like, with your back against it. And then imagine that, like, your significant other was just, like, going whole, getting just, like, whole hog, just fucking a stranger right next to you and then they didn't see you the entire time they're into it yeah this guy must be serving trash dick to his wife because she's so happy to cheat on him um so then he like you know he rises up and he says oh honey she'd been mentioning before that like you know you can't see anything without your glasses he's like i forgot my glasses you know how useless i am without them and she's like no and he has a pair of scissors and then he just like is about to plunge them into his wife's. He's also crying this whole time. Yeah, he's too, crying. He's, like- <laughs> he's basically, and then the bet. This is honestly really funny because like he's crying. The time cops are like using these images that they are given, like these little subtle images to like piece things together. They're like, "This is a home. This image is like clearly of a Victorian style house by made by this architect." There's only like so many architects who you know who uh you know built in this style that means it must be in this neighborhood and then he's like you know they deploy in these like boba fett style like air copters which is like hilarious because there's like about 20 guys in like master chief jumpsuits deployed to stop this one cucked cpa from killing his wife um and then you know tom cruise rushes in grabs his hand right as he's about to kill his wife and then puts him under arrest for future crime um and not before, like, ten other of his of agents, like, literally, like, smashed through the skylight of this guy's bedroom just for, basically for no reason, and just fucking destroy his whole house, um, which is quite funny. And then they, they put the halo on him. Yeah, do you, do you, uh, do you, uh, do you remember what the halo does? I mean... Well, the halo basically puts them just in, like, time jail, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> 
yeah it's interesting like this movie sort of is contemporaneous with the matrix there's a lot of weird i mean it's not about like a virtual or alternate reality or anything but basically if you get commit if you get convicted of time crime of a future crime you get basically you get stripped nude and put into like a glass sarcophagus uh and then you get to uh you get like stuck in this gigantic like um sort of like rolodex of of time criminals um where the creepy guy the creepy brother from oh brother where art thou um is just like the guardian who plays the who plays the fucking organs for you all all day every day yeah, no no uh, apparently no death penalty in this uh in this right. society it's true it's true well i mean and then obviously so like so this gets demonstrated you get like the whole the way that that the pre-crime division works is given and demonstrated to you the viewer and then you know uh, it's a classic trope it's like these are the time cops and they're goddamn they're good but then it's like this colin farrell's character comes in who is he's like with the doj like an auditor or something right because the direct sort of factotum of the of the attorney general you know and they're like coming in they're they're looking because this is you know the whole thing is like it's perfect the precogs are never wrong and because they're trying to expand this like nationally right so it's like the doj is trying to see like okay are there any holes in this that should prevent it from being a national thing? Exactly. So, and in an eminently reasonable fashion, they've decided like, okay, we have to test this fucked up, insane, uh, violation of human rights on someone, on some population. Who should it be? Obviously the pop, the, the, the citizens of Washington, DC, the most satanic place in the entire country. So they go ahead and do it. And then Colin Farrell's character. Yeah. He's like the direct right hand of the, of the DA. He shows up. And he is mentioned by Tom Cruise um, as none other than that twink from the Fed, um, which is really funny. Um, I, I wish I could find the. We'll, we'll maybe see if we can't find the clip. But anyway, there's an interesting angle that, you know, um, maybe Tom Cruise's character is homophobic or himself gay and maybe knows him from like a gay club or something um interesting choice of interesting screenwriting there in any case but anyway he shows up and he's skeptical he's like i don't like this like and then tom cruise is like well just tell me what you're looking for he's like i'm looking for flaws um so because the whole point is like you know the fallib this program is essentially buttressed it rests on the fact that the precogs are infallible because these people and as this, as the cucked accountant is is said, as he's hauled off to time jail, he says, "I haven't done anything. I wasn't gonna do it." It's like, you know, but you were gonna do it, weren't you, bitch? It's like, doesn't matter if you did, you were about to. Well, it's true that I mean, it's true that so because wait. like, if it is not like a hundred percent infallible, then it all ceases to work, right? Because like, even if it's right some of the time, like if you're, if the whole assumption is that like it's uh that you're preventing you're arresting someone before they've done it then like if there's even like a percent chance that it's wrong sometimes then it you know it doesn't work yeah i mean you can't be really doing that um and like you know this thing is basically it's like a crime the way it works is like it's essentially like a crime bingo machine because it's just like a ball like a literal wooden but they also is like some funny ass like description it's like the the wood grain is so unique that that's I didn't really get that. Do you remember that? When they were talking about the house or the No, or when they're talking the about the balls themselves that come out of the crime bingo machine. I didn't catch that. The precogs yeah. create like wooden balls that have like a specific wood grain so they can't be replicated. I don't know. I thought that was weird. And then yeah, like like I mentioned, it's like 
the 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 time cops like Tom Cruise are doing like have you ever have you seen those videos of like the 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 guy who does like insane GeoGuessr shit where he's like you know maybe you remember it's like do you know the game GeoGuessr? It's like you know you'll see like a single frame from Google Maps or from like Google Street View anywhere in the world and you have to like put a pin on the map as close as possible to where you think it is and it might just be like a road like in the middle of a woods with like a you know some electrical like some some um some what some like uh what do you call that power lines going yeah. past it and someone be like oh yeah this is western russia and then they'll like do it and people are like insanely good at it yeah, to the point where they'll see like a flash of a thing for one second and get it within like get like on the actual street that's basically what the uh what the time cops are doing um in order to locate where these time crimes are about to happen um murders that is um so we have um you know this potentially perfect system of preventing murder when uh you know they have to get all ethical about it they have to fucking you know i thought it was a little side tangent though that's funny though too when he's doing the whole like you know, geolocator thing. They also have like on it like a Zoom call, basically like a judge and like I guess like an ethicist there, as like to give because they're giving a warrant, I guess. But it yeah. is funny because they the just witnesses. like basically just like give it like yeah, as, it, as totally it works today now with like, all pro forma. But yeah, it is funny. I mean, there's a lot of like interesting like attention to detail paid in this film. That's like verisimilitude, you know, where it's just like, well, you would have to have like. If you're signing a warrant for this person's arrest, you would have to have, like, witnesses, you know, even in this, like, insane alternate reality, you know, or potential future. Um, but they still go through the motions in many ways. Um, do you want to explain, do you remember the scene where, like, you know, he's having the fucking tete-a-tete, the little repartee Tom Cruise is with Colin Farrell? Um, and he's saying about, like, you know, because Colin Farrell's like, these people haven't committed any crimes. Like, how can you possibly arrest them? In fact, also I want to say, Colin Farrell's character is Irish in this movie, but he speaks with an American accent, which is insanely unsatisfying and stupid. So I'm going to give him an Irish accent. It would be a little bit better with an Irish accent. Yeah, well, basically, they, yeah, I think the scene you're talking about, they basically just explicitly confront the like paradox of like how do you grapple with arresting someone who's done something they haven't done yet. And the visual that they give is like uh, Tom Cruise's character takes one of those balls that's coming out of the you know the gumball machine of time yeah. and uh th- i think throws it over at colin farrell's character and lets it drop he rolls it he rolls it across the desk you right. know yeah as you said he rolls this little the little crime gumball down the desk and then you know because it's bachi ball a little bocce of, ball uh, of murder <laughs> that is about to fall off the desk and you know the twink from the fed colin farrell catches it uh and he goes you know he's like why'd you catch that it was about to fall he's like do you know it was about to fall? Because it didn't, because you caught it. And he's like, well, uh, 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 and he's like, that's right. That's how we know that these people who we stop are in the process of committing crimes. Just because they didn't happen doesn't mean they weren't going to do them. Uh, and then, you know. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Goddamn. Shut, shut the fuck up. And let me twink. do my damn job, you little, you little sexy little, little sexy little Irish twink. <laughs> little sexy little Irish twink. Um, and then he's like, okay, well, I have a warrant to go talk to your little milk boys. Um, your little milk children in there who are telling you where all this shit's going to go down. He's like, you can't go in there. He's like, they, they need an incredibly precious environment. 
Um, they also have like a, t- a caretaker there who's like yeah. kind of the, one of the weirder characters it's classic, of it all. Dude, like- this is also this is also a trope. He's like a little kind of like weird guy with long hair, and he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And he's just like also. It's later intimated that he's like um sort of. Sexually... Jonah, I can see a Hawaiian shirt in also, the near vicinity. Okay, <laughs> listen, this isn't technically a Hawaiian shirt. It's just has flowers on it and uh, is purple. Um, it listen, has a collar. It has a collar and it's buttoned down. Okay, and a little large. Right. All right. Listen, it could be Hawaiian. It could be fucking. You know, it might be from anywhere in Polynesia. Okay, it's actually showing your ignorance that you would assume. That my cool shirt with purple flowers is is Hawaiian. Um, okay, be that as it may, um, the guy who's like the caretaker, the tech of the precogs, um, is like this little weird guy in a Hawaiian shirt, like me, and you know, is like, this is just I don't know. I couldn't, you know, do you remember in Jurassic Park where there's the coat, the big fat guy who plays the coder, um, and who's trying to smuggle out the, uh, you know the tech and then he gets eaten by that poison spraying dinosaur in the thing it's like such a trope in like sort of sci-fi movies of this period to have like the tech guy who's like the the nerd the whiz who's just like kind of zany and wears wears hawaiian shirts anyway he seems um, like pretty bought in there that they're like these precogs are like kind of gaudy though right and later he's very much intimated that he's like making out with the sort of unconscious female precog uh Pretty creepy. Anyway, lots of that weird, creepy shit uh, goes down in these movies in the pre-woke period, i.e. anything before, like, 2013. Um, yeah, so basically you have a little ethical, like, they lay out, like, in a little set piece of, like, the ethics and moral quandaries involved in something like this where, you know, the, the skeptic who is Colin Farrell's twink from the Fed is sort of, like made to uh made to retreat from the uh you know from the dominant wisdom and 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 so he does and um, and you know the non-tweak tom cruise the stellar cop the good cop the guy yeah. he, he's bought in right like he he, oh, believes, he believes he's it. like he totally bought in infallible. which is what makes you know the rest of it kind of all that more uh you know all the sexier um there's also i just remiss we already sort of went over this but there's a really funny scene where for an absolutely no reason the only female character this movie by the way definitely does not pass the bechdel test although it what's maybe the bechdel through. test how do you not know you need to i need to give you my reference but you need to learn your your internet you don't spend nearly enough time on twitter what is the bechdel test <laughs> it's like something that someone came up with that's just like um basically does a film have at least are at least 50 percent of the lines spoken by a female character yeah this definitely doesn't pass that definitely doesn't um but um there's like a scene where like the female drone like the pilot of the helicopter is telling tom cruise when they're stopping the the cucked accountant from killing his wife they're telling she's telling him some extreme like very relevant information that like there's only 30 seconds left before the murder is like going to occur and he's like shut up alana um what door was it like tell me tell me was it a green door or red door? And it's just like hilarious completely unwarranted <laughs> like sexism um anyway it's a little bit of that um in any case so we have like a little layout a little set piece of the moral quandaries involved um, the Fed essentially leaves after a little tense repartee with with um, with uh, Tom Cruise, where he's saying like, you know, I don't believe in this. Like, I think it's flawed. And he's like, the precogs are perfect. Like, they they're never flawed. And he's like, I know. 
the tech isn't flawed. If there's a flaw, it's got to be human. Ooh. And he looks at Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise is like, all right, fuck this guy. Um, fuck this twink. Um, and then uh, we're, we're, we're uh, you know, there's uh, you know, some, some, some several layers going on. Uh, well, do you want to explain, because we, we lost a bit of this audio a second ago, but do you want to explain um, Tom Cruise's character is troubled, right? Like right, he's, right, right, He's, right. like, this lost his where, son, um, and, like, there's a whole, like, do you want to just describe that whole set piece of him losing yeah, his son? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some very interesting background that we get that's very critically important, which is that, you know, at some point, it's introduced to us that there's a drug of the future. Rather, you know, this is, later we learn, um... You know, these precogs, like, how do they exist? How do they work, these, these twins? Apparently, it turns out, we later learn, um, in a, somewhat of an, an, a sort of um, expository aside, which this film is sort of full of, but that's okay, because there's a lot of sci-fi shit to go into. Um, that, it's truly a challenge for any sci- good sci-fi movie. Yeah, to not, not just have... Wrapped up in the, the sides. Yeah, yeah, not just have a character be like, what? Like... I thought this was a. Uh, how does this work? And they're like, "Well, I'll tell you." Because in the books, they'll be like, "I'll tell you," and then it's like a hundred pages of them like explaining. <laughs> yeah. So basically, we later learn that the precogs are all are are from this abandoned, this defunct program that took the children of addicts of this future drug called neuroin, neuroheroin, if you will, which sounds pretty fucking. I would maybe give it a shot, just once. Um. And it's which is consumed via these little inhalers that kind of look like kind of like I don't know, like um, tamagotchis or something, and you just sort of suck some like neuroheroin out of them, and then you get absolutely smizzed off your ass. It's um, funny so, how all these things too. That's like that the drugs are all like not normal drugs in these sci-fi movies. Where it's dude, like, I was actually thinking about really that. Changed. I mean, the type of drugs have changed, but the delivery mechanisms. I was going to ask you about insane. that. Like, what would be your sci-fi drug of choice? Like, oh. if you could try one drug from sci-fi, because there's obviously like probably the Fallout ones. Honestly, well, oh like, Fallout yeah, and like a, would you do have a the stim pack? Ones. Yeah, the or, stim or packs. Jet. I think it's Jet. Yeah, Jet like is jet. also the one that's like an inhaler. Yeah, that's true. But then there's like, what's the? There's a movie where there's eye drops oh that's like in fucking uh what's that tv show altered carbon they have eye drops okay too. yeah eye drops it's is like, a classic one it's i'm actually surprised that i wonder i think a lot of the ones that the ones where this doesn't do it as much but the sci-fi is where like you are a cyborg that changes the game because like your drugs can like alt like enhance your oh, like, yeah, computer totally. cybernetics I mean, there's um, so, also like you know, there's classic soma from the fucking yeah. uh, Set Brave New World or I wouldn't want that one because that one just makes you basically just like a fucking. It's basically just addict. like antidepressants, <laughs> right. you know. It's, it's like, like that shit sucks. I had to know. Um, yeah. <laughs> Except also, they're always doing orgies in that, so it's like clearly not the time that turns your penis <laughs> off. Um, yeah, I think I would do. I would do like one of those. Uh, maybe if I had a bionic component myself, it would be just something that makes you kind of powerful and and like speedy. I guess. Yeah, totally. I mean, I would maybe give this one a try. Uh, neuro in. It sounds pretty hardcore. It seems pretty. Uh, like at least from Tom Cruise's character, you know, kind of sad though too. Well, like, he's sad because as we'll go into. So basically, yeah, there's two interwoven important details here, which I'll try to explain. Which is that. One, all of the, the precogs are the result of a program to take the children of neuroin addicts and rehabilitate them, only to find that they have a special gift which allows them to essentially see the future via dreams. Not being too offensive 
it's like basically if you had crack babies, but the crack babies could like fucking tell the future. Yeah, and you know the the <laughs> the whole thing about this movie is like it's very like sleek and gray and futuristic, but it's like classic dystopia where like also like the streets are just strewn with garbage and flaming cars, and everyone like lives in like rather rather dingy abject poverty. Um, so the precogs are a result of this program, um, which is important later. Um, and are given this sort of neurological or sort of prophetic ability by merit of their parents' drug use. Um, and then it turns out that Tom Cruise, um, you know, his backstory as a future time cop is that his own son was sort of abducted and spirited away during a sort of a, a, a father-son bonding experience at the public pool gone wrong, where like they're holding their breath underwater and the underwater breath challenge. And then Tom Cruise gets like really carried away and tries to beat his son like at holding his breath he's like 25 seconds that's fucking that's that's nothing a whale can hold his breath for 20 minutes and then he goes underwater and is just like smiling and having a good time under there and then he goes up to find his son gone um somehow like even though in this like public pool there's literally thousands like just like fucking just yeah hip to hip fucking you know filled to the brim more that skin is, than water <laughs> in, in, <laughs> that is absolutely true dude that is actually so true it's like this this pool this is one of the most packed public pools <laughs> i've ever seen it's honestly one of the more subtly dystopian right. elements of the whole film where it's there's like a, there's a public pool a couple blocks down here in brooklyn new york that's like never as full as this pool is no in this dude place. this it's pool like... <laughs> has to be like at least it's like a 30 to 70 blend of right. just piss to pool water there's so many people here and it's just none of, and he goes around screaming for his son and everyone just ignores him um they're like shut up dude um so basically his son is stolen he wants to present although which is like his backstory for why he wants to prevent pre-crime or just crime i guess but also it's very much stated that it only prevents murders. So presuming his son wasn't actually murdered, it wouldn't have even helped. In any case. Yeah, I think they make it seem like he was murdered, but you're right. They never actually, like... Really he was probably at least diddled it. before he was murdered, though. So, you know. In any case. Yeah, I don't know if the precogs are really... Uh... Yeah. Um, in any case, this is, like, why Tom Cruise wants to be a, a time cop, and it's also why he's addicted to Neuroin as well, because he goes home, and he's... This is also an interesting. Do you recall like the tech involved? Yeah, I was gonna talk about that. Yeah, we it, should it go into some of it as an aside. That's one but of the ones that didn't quite make it, but it kind of did. I don't know. I, I thought it was really interesting. It's essentially it's like, like reality, yeah. So he quite. he goes out on a on a run and buys some neuro in from this weird guy who has both of his eyes dug out, and he tells Tom Cruise, "In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king," which comes back in in a significant way. Um, lots of little net, little little egg, little nestled, um, uh, uh, little wisdoms in here. At least insofar as the movie or the universe of the movie is concerned. Um, right. It's also funny because it's literally like this guy who's just like hiding under a blanket in the rain, and I'm like, you're like a time cop. You can't. You don't have like a sleek. That's one thing that the that this did not predict accurately about the future, which is that like drug dealing is like such a, a like a you know if you're a rich person and you want drugs like someone comes to your house with a fucking attache case and like you he know seems, he seems like pretty not rich though that's one thing i noticed in the whether well, his the apartment's pool. nice as fuck i would live well there. it's like it's nice ish but it is like he's like fucking if you look at when they show it like from the outside it's like it's this giant like up into the clouds like well, everybody lives complex in. with like 
I get the impression that he was like kind of not making a ton of money, but maybe I not. I mean, he's one of the premier time cops, but it's yeah, maybe in any case. Um so we have this like little tether between like this drug is important to create the precogs. It's also something that Tom Cruise is addicted to because he's grieving over his son. And when he's at home, he just gets basically blasted and watches like these essentially a shitty, like a future version of like a, of like a, a slide projector. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I thought that was really funny. Cause it's just like, it's the, it's 50 years in the future. You have like milkmen who can tell the future and predict crime, but everyone is basically using overhead projectors from the 90s which were like already old when that movie came out right like the tech was already kind of like that they're basically off of outdated which is yeah funny. another and be- he just eats like those like that cereal that has like the, the you know like in, in harry potter yeah like, the, i thought the, the same the, thing like the shit you see when they look at the newspaper or whatever it's like that on this like box of uh cereal which i thought actually looked kind of fucking cool like that whole scene looked just from a purely like you know visual looks pretty kind of cool yeah no it does i mean it's very like raining you live in like a glass sort of greenhouse future apartment with lights everywhere or plants everywhere um and yeah he's like yeah they for some reason decided that like absolutely blitzed of him like playing with his kids yeah it's very (laughs) sad um but it's also funny because it's like and this is what I think is just like in a meta textual way is like funny about these movies where it's like they can picture these like huge leaps in like technological advancement and stuff, but like certain like little minor things just totally don't occur to them as in like, you know, you can't do like VR or something like you, you just have to literally watch a projection of like a video card um well this is true. i mean so many of these things like for example this is one that the sci-fi's never got right for example is like social media right it's like it's a l- yeah. little it's like a Except little infinite jest yeah fair yeah fair but enough that's not really so but like most of them it's like that's something that like they just it totally didn't cross anyone's mind but now no. it's like one of the biggest things i know it right? is the it's biggest like, thing that sort of never, slipped through never but there's several things like that it's also funny because like they're basically the way you know you're in the future is like every they basically use like floppy disks but they're but the way you know it's the future is that they're like completely transparent pieces of acrylic with like a funny little edge on them and it's really funny because it's like so the 90s showing is that like he has the all the like so he has all these memories like that are essentially home videos that he's playing in this like futuristic projection sense but they're like he literally has like a like they're labeled with like a label gun right like a white sticker (laughs) with like black capital aerial text on him that are just like it's like sean's fifth birthday and it's just like you notice they always like blow the cartridges too before they put them in yeah yeah it's like also (laughs) such a thing of that that they're literally going game boy mode they can't help it um so yeah we've essentially at this point we've established that you know he's a drug addict but he's like the best damn time cop there is um and then and he hates well you know he's done he hates this twink yeah yeah maybe he has nothing yeah he hates you know yeah yeah, exactly um and uh i mean there's no actual twinks in this movie just no there's no black people there's not there is there. one black guy is there yeah his like oh you're right there is yeah, who plays like is, the other total one. trope of like the sort of happy-go-lucky yeah. sidekick who at one point tom cruise dismisses him well let's get into this scene so next i know next scene he goes so he goes to work the next day basically does his time cop shit the ball comes down he's seeing the future in his little vr screen 
only to see that like you know after he can like parse through the images to see that the person who's about to commit this crime in 36 hours who's about to shoot this guy is himself tom cruise and he's like oh fuck uh, and then he like, goes back and forth and he keeps like rewinding it to show yeah, him just like over and over, over and, and over. And then like the guy, his, 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 um, his sort of partner at the, at the police force, Jad, I believe is like, what is it boss? And he's like, Oh, it's nothing. Uh, and he like dismisses it. Like he, he like does like, cause again, he's like using, like he's using gloves and he's like, he's like essentially playing. Wii. It's like a Wii. It's like you if know? someone came up over your shoulder on your phone and you swiped up and you were to, like, jacking get the browser off, yeah. out, out real quick. Yeah, like. it's classic. Like your mom just walked in on you with porn and you just like swipe it away and turn around really fast. Like, oh hey, uh, what's up? I was, I wasn't doing anything. Why, why are you home? Um, he does that, and then there's a really funny scene where he's just like, you know, what's going on? And the next ball is about to drop down that says his name on it, and he's like, oh, I can handle it. Uh, you know, I'm starving. Why don't you go get us a piece of cake that they're eating down there? And he's like, you know what, boss? That's a great idea. I might get one for myself. And he's like, just just like walks out of the room. Yeah. Um, it's like this kind of a little overweight black dude. Yeah, it's just like a totally gormless idiot. Um, so anyway, Tom Cruise then realizes like, fuck, there's no way I'm actually about to kill this random guy who I've seen in this premonition. I and must we've established been- that Tom Cruise like believes this shit. Yeah. So it's like, what? He's like, I must be being set up. So he, fl- and then, you know. So he flees the fucking um, the 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 Thunderdome, if you will, and now he's just like you know he's on the run and he doesn't know you know what's going on, but he presumes that the twink from the Fed set him up. Yeah, set him up. I do think there's an iconic for anyone that's watched it. I it, it's one of those lines that stuck with me where there were like, like multiple people were telling him just like you know give up like figure it out type of things like don't run and he's like they all run everybody, everybody runs. runs i think that's yeah, like literally runs. on the poster yeah really? <laughs> um funny. so you know and like also nestled in this whole process is like he has like a protege who's like max von Sydow, the old german guy who's a, a legendary actor um in his own right um but he's like the protege the sort of the 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 brains behind the operation of pre-crime um and you know as tom's gone rogue and he's just like i've been set up he calls max von sydow's character uh lamar burgess who's like his superior at the police uh at the dc metro police and who's like sort of antagonistic towards um towards colin farrell the whole yeah. time he's like trying to he's like i don't want any any he's like well, he doesn't want him to fuck up his, his thing he's got going well on. right yeah. because this is sort of we learn is sort of his brainchild um so tom's like you know calling him like what the fuck what can i do um only to learn that like you know he wants him to come in but he can't he can't quite trust him he's like i'm not going in i'm not going into halo which is like what it means to just like have your brain fried and put into one of these pods although i guess it's temporary anyway the brain frying anyway um you know cruise is on the run um yeah there are some great chase sequences in this um Including, we mentioned it's a, it's a, it's a fucking Spielberg film, right? So this it's is like a Spielberg. Who hasn't seen it. It's like you're not into the long, drawn out, boring sci-fi movies. It is actually some fun. Little- it is. It is an insanely long movie, especially yeah. for the time. It's like two and a half hours long. Um, but so you know, there's also interesting. Um, and this was another thing I I learned about when reading this, reading about the production. He actually convened like a fucking 
council of like futurists and physicists and scholars and sci-fi writers spielberg did yeah in order to like have them give like a real a quote-unquote realistic like sketch of what the future would look like so he put like a lot of you know in his own way like put a lot of effort into like this you know creating like a real a potentially realistic uh alternate future sci-fi stuff i mean yeah i mean he did well no he did do war of the worlds um which is very which was also a tom cruise uh vehicle um but very yeah i mean i feel like that movie kind of sucks oh oh he also recently did ready player one which also did you see that I heard this. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's its own, its own whole fucking can of worms. But yeah, other than that, and then obviously the Jurassic Park movies, which are sort of sci-fi, I guess you could yeah. say. Um, no, definitely, I guess, you know. Um, but it's not the world building. I mean, they take place in our world in which Minority Report is like an alternate future. Um, in any case, so... There's a, this is where we get like a look into all this funny there's like a lot of tech stuff that is like there for instance like these self-driving they're like cars like everyone drives around in like these car pods that are on like essentially all these moving walkways um that go like up down and around um there's a there's an electric scene in which Tom Cruise like jumps out of his that's like rerouting you to jail uh and he's like oh no and then so he like kicks the window out and like jumps across multiple on this like speeding railway of personal vehicles um and then like escapes it is interesting that like yeah there's they seem like self-driving cars they all seem like they're on a grid too which is like something that like is very uh you know i guess like the self-driving people now would like that's the future they kind of imagine but it's like kind of interesting because the cars they both go side to side and up and down. Like there's roads that go like like literally vertical up to like apartments and stuff, which was kind of an interesting. Take. Yeah, it's very very future shit. But it makes sense for like if you're imagining a world where it's just like just so crowded with people everywhere. It's like you can just you can you're able to just go up because it's like all these like vertical roads and shit. Yeah, you know, it's very like ooh, it's 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 giving dystopia. You know, as the kids say for sure. Um, anyway. You know, Tom Cruise, he fucking jumps around, he gets out, um, he ends up, uh, you know, going and meeting the, the Dr. Iris Heineman, who is the person who created the precog program, and that's where we learn about the whole drug addict thing, and she also tells him that there is such a thing as a minority report. Which is to say that, you know, the precogs basically sometimes give, they have differing views of the future and that there's a small chance in certain cases that what they see will actually be an alternate, wherein, which is to say that Tom Cruise isn't necessarily going to kill this guy. Um, and he's convinced, he's like, I would never do that, so it must be false. So she tells him he needs to go back in in order to access this minority report and exonerate himself, go back into the fucking, to the lair of 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 the of the precom division and get inside the brain of Agatha what the female precog one of the three because like his minority report is stashed in her brain 
So there's also so he goes and resolves himself to do that. Um, there's a fun jetpack fight sequence at some point, which is like super dumb and slapstick, where he's just like zooming around in an alleyway with, with like a bunch of dickheads who are trying to capture him from the cops. And I will say this like film does really it, it sort of toes the line of like our you know is it like a one bad apple situation in terms of this like totally in unjust program or like because like most of the cops are portrayed as like good guys but it's obviously like a deeply you know corrupt and immoral uh system but yeah i i don't know i don't know what you think about that or the jetpacks um it is funny that they have jetpacks that literally shoot flames out of them seems insanely impractical they all seem like kind of like not very good at using them either like they're all like kind of like clunky and like <laughs> kind of slow get, which like, re- honestly that is like another thing that this film gets completely right which is that in the future cops will be armed to the absolute teeth with like right. the most futuristic technology possible and be absolutely fucking useless and not know how to use it and completely ineffectual which is the case um but yeah okay so like we'll, we'll cruise keep cruising through i guess the narrative here because it really is like so many different things that happen um he essentially in order to you know i guess well okay fuck this is the other thing did you did you catch that when they go into they are like going through doors and stuff they're talking about their eye dents yeah because i had the subtitles on and it's e-y-e-d-e-n-t so people are, there's like in the future, everyone is getting retinal scanned um, everywhere and everywhere, like anywhere and everywhere, um, including getting onto the subway, so on and so forth. So in order to get back into the, into the police station, he has to have his eyes removed and replaced by uh, a, apparently some Japanese guy. Yeah, that was just kind of funny as that. Yeah, I mean, that, that part did stick out to me because that's like, that is like one of the scarier things of. Uh, other, like all the like talk of like facial recognition and like iris recognition and stuff is that basically this whole society the way it works it only works because like they are being scanned literally everywhere they go and like so it's presumed that there is like some you know central database where they're all have put their eye scans on because like you know there's even famous there's a really famous scene in this where like he walks through the mall and like the uh the advertisements that like he sees on the sides are like specifically for him and like everyone else they're specifically for them and that's because it's like scanning them and like presumably seeing all their shopping history and shit yeah. and doing it um yeah they're like, like hey feels... john how's that blue chew working right. out for you yeah <laughs> which feels pretty like all you know like not dude that far it off, is dead you know? ass with it's the like... it's they basically predicted you know targeted advertising mm-hmm. which is like absolutely true i mean it's not happening in a public space via the like loudspeaker of, yeah. but you know, it is absolutely correct that like yeah. you are a known quantity to advertisers, and they try to tailor their advertisements to. Kind of crazy to think about because like when that came out, that was like totally didn't exist. Dude, this was really, two thousand one. Like, this was like pre every pre smartphone by a long shot by yeah. six seven years. I mean, the internet basically hardly existed as a consumer product. Like most people were not on the internet. Maybe had like you know brick nokia brick cell phones so it is interesting i mean like and that's like sort of the enduring legacy of this film is that like it is like kind of goofy and it's very fun and like serious subject matter it's like the tone is sort of serious but it doesn't take itself too seriously because there's like a little bunch of goofy asides um 
you know, in the vein of the Matrix. But um, yeah, it does like you know, it's it's damn handsome men. It has some damn hotties <laughs> in it too. Um, but yeah, maybe like so. I guess fast forwarding a bit to like we to to Anderton's uh, struggle here. With, yeah. Uh, so you know he's trying to clear his name in order to get back into the cop lair. He has to get his eyes ripped out and replaced by different eyes. Um, so that he's not recognized everywhere he goes, and he has some creepy Dutch surgeon do this for him. Um, and there's like a confusing scene where he intimates that he's gonna fuck him over mm-hmm. because Tom Cruise put him in jail in the past, but then he just doesn't do it. Right? He's um, just like, here you he's go. just like, all right, here are your new eyes. Some like free. He gives him some like freebies. He's like, there's also a funny thing where he's like, here's a thing: if you shoot it in your face, it's a paralytic. No one will. Re-. He's like, your face will turn to mush, and no one will recognize you. And then he does it, and he basically just looks like like he was hungover. Or hungover. Yeah, he looks exactly the same, just like puffy and like sh- kind of like. Kind of yeah, like. Well, you were saying that, that this night. doctor that gives him the fake eyes is also the guy from the Big Lebowski. It is one of the nihilists I mean, from the Big really Lebowski. Funny. Peter Stromer, um, shouts out or Stormata. He's an incredible actor, like big bit part guy. Um, totally rocks. Um, it is really funny his whole dynamic there because he's like, yeah, he doesn't fuck him over, but he does, and then, but he's like kind of supposed to seem evil, and so he's like, you know, giving him like breakfast and giving him like his tools and then like tom cruise goes to touch his like stitched up eyes right because they're healing he goes no scratch yeah yeah. (laughs) commences to just like help him out (laughs) yeah he's also blind for 12 hours so there's like a funny scene where like he gives him like a rope to pull on to go into the bathroom in one direction or into the kitchen for one hand on the other on the other direction and he's like yeah my assistant made you a sandwich and there's milk in there but then like I don't even if this was intent like it's very unclear but like basically there's a sandwich that's nice and good looking and right above it is like a totally moldy fucked up sandwich yeah. and then there's like so Tom Cruise like goes over there and he's like uh, uh, uh like clawing around and he's like finds a sandwich he's like all right nice takes Finally, a huge so bite hungry. and then he's like and like spits it everywhere and then he's like oh god milk and he's like going around <laughs> Grabs the bottle of milk, but then like grabs another bottle right next to it that's identical and it's green and moldy. And he like tears it off and is just like, glug, 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 ah, no! <laughs> Spits that out everywhere. And then commences to drink out of like the biohazard. Yeah, and then he's like shit. eating ice chips out of a biohazard bucket. The whole thing is a fucking, I is thought, a fucked yeah. up situation. I was but, like watching that, imagine there was just like that music that plays in the back of like the Charlie Chaplin era movies. Very yakety sax, yeah. <laughs> Um, for, oh, I did it again. Yeah, it's very <laughs> stupid uh, and funny. But then, okay, then there's also a quick thing where, like, he becomes one-eyed because they're like, if you take off these bandages before 12 hours, you're going to go blind. But then, like, these, these like, police, the police are after him, so they send in these little drones, one of which is, like, they're looking for him, so he ha- one of them scans little his spider eye. Drones. Little yeah. spider drones. It scans his eye, which he has to remove from the bandage, therefore rendering him blind in that eye. But the thing scans him is like oh this isn't him because he's got the new eyes now so he becomes the one-eyed man i.e king among the blind interesting little back back pass to the to the earlier scene um but like the cops are thrown off his trail um he then basically goes into the police station fucking kidnaps the precog rips agatha out of her chair and then like flushes them down the toilet that's at the bottom of the milk bath yeah you guys are just gonna Um, have to watch for that yeah there's it's a little it's yeah there's really there's not much more i can say um 
Um, basically, they then, when he has them, he find he goes to where he's supposed to commit this murder, you know, which he still doesn't think is going to happen, only to realize that, like, the scene of the murder is the scene in which he finds the killer of his son, who has all, he's like this little pedophile, he has all these pictures of boys everywhere. Um, Tom Cruise is about to like kill li- him. Like, literally just, like, hundreds of photos of boys sprayed across, like, the bed. Yeah. Like, it. As you do when you do that, when you're that type of, when you're committing thousands of child rapes and murders, you just take photos and Polaroids and then go to a hotel and throw them all over the bed. Um, but this comes into play because, you know, Tom's about to kill him, but Agatha, the precog, is like, you have a choice. You don't have to do it. So then he's like, instead of shooting him, as was the premonition, he starts reading him his Miranda rights. And then the guy's like, wait, you're not going to kill me? Like, you have to kill me because I'm actually not the person who killed your son. Rather, I was put up to this. It sounds was told, also sounds like something you would totally say if you were trying to get out of like fucking. It's true. If it would arrested. be a candy move, yeah. <laughs> but basically, he was put up to it, and he was his family was going to get paid a bunch of money if Tom Cruise killed him. So it's just like, okay, who set up Tom Cruise to try to kill this guy to put him in jail? Um, so you know, then like a weird little shuffle happens, and Tom Cruise does fucking shoot him, but like by accident. God damn, this movie's so complicated. Yeah, which that made that honestly like makes you think a lot because it's like, you know, is it the ball falling? Right, not right. Right, Um, it's true. Yeah, I mean that's honestly an interesting point because it's like it's not killing him for the reasons he thought, but it's like basically by accident. So you know the die is cast as was predicted, Um, and then um, you know, all the while though, like the you know. The uh, lucky the lucky le- leprechaun is hot on, uh, on Tom Cruise's ass. Like assuming that he's like you know guilty of all these things, um. So he like ends up like entering the same room where the murder happened, but can tell because he's you know very uh, veteran uh, Irish cop that something doesn't seem right. He refers specifically to this like all these photos of the of the children on this uh, bed as a as a as a evidence orgy. Evidence orgy. He's yeah, like evidence he's orgy. like, you know, he's like, did you ever work crying before? He's like before precogs and he's like he's like, no, I was a federal he's like I was in I was in tax crime. And he's like, I was homicide. He's like, you know how many orgies I had? Zero. And they're like, oh fuck. Uh, damn. He had zero but, orgies. But so now he's uh, a little uh a little perked up. Yeah, he's got yeah, so we're like, wait, what what is this guy? Maybe he isn't the bad guy. Um, then basically, so the reason he stole the precog was to look into her brain to get the alternate, the minority report that it would exonerate him. Turns out there isn't one, so he's like, "What the fuck?" Um, I was always gonna do that. Um, but lame title, by the way. Gotta say, I know they say the it like five report, times. Yeah, never I don't know. It is good. It's an inter- I think it's an interesting title, minority report. It also makes you think there's something to do with minorities, but there's, in fact, no, almost none not. in the entire film. Yeah, so, a little red herring there. Um, but what he does do is he finds, the, in her mind, is the vision of another murder that was unsolved of this woman, um, who turns out to be Agatha, the precog's mother, who was herself a drug addict. Um, and what happened was, to make a long story short, she was one of those drug addicts whose child was surrendered to the precog program. She later cleaned up, came back to get her child. You know, she wanted to be her mother again, um, but was then murdered. By whom? We don't exactly know. 
Um, but we know that this murder took place, and it's like, how did a murder take place with while the precogs were active? So circum circum you know circumstances seem to suggest that through a convoluted state of affairs, Max von Sydow's character um, created manipulated the way in which the precogs work to be able to get away with the murder of Agatha the precog's mother who wanted to take her back because he didn't want her to be taken back because that would destroy his his you know his pre-crime program so instead of surrendering or like so basically this drug addict mother is coming back and say hey i want my child back i don't want you to turn her into like a a future crime slave yes exactly so he's like hmm what do i do and he resolves to just strangle her to death with his bare hands, like at a at, in a lake. Just imagine this like extremely sophisticated German like engineer cop man just yeah. being like, "I'm gonna murder, I'm gonna strangle her to death." Yeah, which was funny to me because it's like, and so basically, Tom Cruise sees that like, oh, this is what happened, and I'm being set up, um, to take the fall for these crimes, um, which you know, I'm like. Now that I think about it, it's like, why was he even setting Tom Cruise up in the first place? I guess, um, you know, hmm. it's like, I mean, I think the point. Maybe it was it. Maybe was it. I think you could make the argument that because the Irish dude was coming to investigate that it was going to maybe get found out that there was that missing file. And oh, stuff. And yeah. So, like, they had to find right. To, like, I think that's actually it. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, he's had to pin the, the imperfection of it on someone. Because, um, like, basically, yeah, basically they were, like, in this, like, Rolodex of human bodies that is, like, the people who get precogged. Like, they're he's kind of deleting files, right? Like, right. He's the, deleting the, files, which is the ultimate no-no. <laughs> So basically, there's like in the last 20 minutes of this movie, like 30, there's like 10 major plot <laughs> right. points, which I honestly like, I don't even, I don't feel like I, we don't even have to all the way go no, into. No, definitely Because I feel like I've already, you know, spoken us into knots about trying to, you know, talk about this and in, the insane plot devices in this movie. But basically, the upshot is that, um, you know, pre crime is not exactly infallible because you know you can all there is and what was being suppressed the entire time is that there are these minority reports like some people aren't going to kill the people that they think they're going that are like all but resolved to kill and given that you know the whole thing is 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 fundamentally flawed because if some people who are being arrested for future crime are are going to not commit it you know, have a last minute change of heart, then how can you possibly arrest anyone? Because it's always possible that that's the person who wouldn't do it. And fundamentally that like that these precogs who are supposed to have like a singular vision of what's happening don't, right? Like there's like, it's basically just up for interpretation because at least some of the time there's like multiple variations of like what can happen. Right. Which is... So, you know, turns out the precom division was, uh, was not exactly a slam dunk um and it basically you know max von Sydow's character gets found out um tom cruise is exonerated um and then pretty much literally everyone lives happily ever after except they decide colin farrell except yeah. oh yeah colin farrell at some point charms, but... yeah colin farrell gets blasted by <laughs> the german the perfidious german he basically yeah i mean without doing too much of it he basically goes to the german guy explains his whole like 
I'm about to figure it out moment. Right. And he just blasts them. Yeah. <laughs> um, classic mistake of explaining that you figured everything out to the principal villain. So you think that like, you know, classic MacGuffin of the, 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 the sort of the twink from the fed, the sort of that nosy cop from who's like coming in to fuck with everything you think is the bad guy is actually the good guy the whole time. Um, but he's just a bit of a bitch and a bastard. Um, turns out he got shot. So he's dead. Um, then, you know, they basically blow the lid off the thing that um, Max von Sydow, who's essentially the head of the DC police, the guy who f- who's, the, who's the, the, the precog thing is in large part his brainchild. And he's, you know, parlaying its success into a massive political coup for himself. And he's being coronated as, you know, it's it's been a successful trial so it's about to go national it's about to be nationwide pre-cog uh pre-crime future crime um and he's the he's the impresario of it so he's at his own ball his own coronation ball thanking everyone when suddenly you know tom cruise comes back and busts the case wide open that you know max von sydow's character lamar burgess killed this this precog the main precog agatha he killed her mom in order to keep her in the program which as opposed to like saying like i don't know what what, how about do you want ten thousand dollars or like you know maybe i'm gonna sue you if you do this or like you know i'm gonna fucking you know send some guys around your house and scare you he's like no i'm gonna kill you with my own bare hands pretty pretty demented choice so anyway you know, there's video evidence of this that he gets from Agatha's brain, and then he shows it on like the the computer screens that are everywhere because it's the future. So Max von Sydow is put in this position where, you know, he either is then shown to be as a precog, like the two balls drop down, and it's like he's gonna kill Tom Cruise. So then Tom Cruise meets him at the at the roof of this hotel, and he says, "What are you gonna do? Are you gonna kill me?" And thereby prove pre-crime correct and validate your life's work but you will be sent to time jail forever or are you going to not kill me break the prophecy you know save perhaps your own skin but prove that pre-crime that the precogs are fallible and you know he cuts the gordian knot by essentially uh you know shooting himself which essentially does nothing um yeah it is kind of a cheat uh it's not even a cheat in the sense because it's just like it's just he's like I'll take option two like yeah I'm not gonna kill you, um, which you know, in the but sense wouldn't that be I mean I guess that's the that's the thing it gets or leaves absent though because I guess killing yourself isn't considered murder because then there would be two balls with your same name on them. It'd right? have to be. <laughs> that's true. I mean I guess in this in killing yourself isn't murder. You know. Um, Although I guess it is, it is technically illegal, is it? Um, in any case, you know, he shows the fallibility of the precog program by not fulfilling the prophecy and killing Tom Cruise. Although, basically, because he's a bitch boy and he doesn't want to go to jail, which you know, it's like if he killed him, his program would have lived, you know. Sure. But basically, the program is disbanded. Yada yada yada. Um the precogs are pulled out of the milk and then they basically they like lock them in a little tiny cabin and they're just shown reading books all day which is presumably what they want to do and uh you know it's funny that you were saying uh, off mic though that um like once this is all sort of found out the gig is up is that like oh 
it was kind of like a happily ever after. But it's funny or big, interesting. Big happily ever after. Because like, there's a lot of shit in this dystopian society that's not about pre-crime that makes it dystopian, right? It's like the whole thing is like very dystopian. And so it's like, it's strange that this like, this doesn't necessarily address any it's of those very, other shit, it's right? Very it's very Spielbergian. You still, you still yeah. have the fucking iris scans everywhere you still have the fucking right. people like you know living in dumpsters like it's like well all- <laughs> and even within the limited scope of of this so yeah okay like thank thank you listener you finally got into the end of our <laughs> trying to explain this insanely convoluted movie but it's funny because it basically is like the moment it's shown that there's any impropriety involved in the pre-crime program and that they're not a hundred percent accurate the whole thing is disbanded and every single person convicted is uh is released, and it's just like it's that simple. Yeah, it's so funny, especially in you know now in 2020 when cops and policing is so much more in the spotlight and like under you know sustained scrutiny and rightfully so. It's like you know it's hilarious that it's just like in this dystopian society they're like, oh my god, we're so sorry. Like we're sorry we we were doing pre crime. Uh, and violating your like metaphysical human rights um you're all free to go um <laughs> so yeah it's a bit of a very like again pre 9-11 pre you know this was like the tail end of this sort of period in the 90s where we all just sort of thought everything was sorted out like we figured it out the truth wins like if you just show people like the truth then they will act in a reasonable way uh uh, insofar as it's concerned and like you know and again you know what, what what then shortly succeeded this film chronologically speaking is like the patriot act um the war on terror all of this stuff that very much is like this goofy film sort of prefigures in a lot of ways um so in a way this is like a very dumb guy prophecy about the world that we come to live in um because and like you know we were talking about this at the top of the show a little bit and this is way more your domain i mean you're more well read on this than i am but like you know predictive policing and facial recognition and eye scans and shit like you know not to be like i don't know i mean that's what that's what we talk about on this show it's like that's all real now well i I think one of the things i mean it's interesting to think about all this right because like in a lot of the tech people have said this openly not about like the creepy surveillance stuff but like even like the the ipad or like design stuff they do take inspiration from sci-fi and like they've they've explicitly said that they take inspiration from sci-fi it's worth like wondering like how much of like predictive policing for example which is like it's occurring in a bunch of major cities and basically they're using these like big algorithms to like determine you know where they think crime centers are going to happen next how much of that was like also nerds like sort of like being influenced by sort of these old sci-fi stories right and like how much of it is just like it manifesting itself right it is funny it's like Uh, really a lot of instances of just like the ouroboros you know it's like the thing devouring its own tail it's like you know our dystopian sci-fi literature and and art depicting the sci-fi is like or depicting that dystopian future is being consumed by the people who are like actually creating it in real time for us. And they're like, Oh, wouldn't it be neat if, (laughs) if this looked like this, uh, this fiction or this media I consumed and they're like literally creating it. It's like, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in this unintended way. The most, uh, yeah. The most obvious example of that recently is like the whole like meta shit, right. With like Facebook is like that, 
basically every single sci-fi that's presented this like idea of the, like the alternate reality metaverse thing has been dystopias right like the, almost all of them have been dystopias but like zuckerberg as like this tech sci-fi inspired dude is like sort of manifesting it without necessarily maybe even realizing like not getting the like actual meat behind the story you know what i mean which i think happens certainly in other, not in, yeah in, i mean because they, they actually think it's like it is genuinely utopian uh in a lot of you know or what the thing that they're creating but it's also funny because it's just like and the thing that i think is like you know that is like i don't know that this 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 type of 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 sci-fi from the early 2000s the irobot and everything doesn't get that totally misses is that like in the future our dystopia is like everything will be like austere and gray and like sleek and hard angled and like but it's like, no, you look at what meta is and it's just like, you're literally a gigantic wee me character. And you're like, yeah, you're like a gigantic rhinoceros with like, you know, with like, a, you know, with pigtails and shit and like getting like microtransacted and shit as like you're having like super fun, like, hey, dude, like, sorry to cancel your subscription. It looks like, you know, that payment didn't go through, my man. Like, ah, <laughs> it's like totally missed. The the vibe is way more Pee-wee's, Pee-wee Herman's Playhouse, you know, than Well, than I think that, like, that's Blade why Runner. I'm drawn to, like, the, the, the Minority Report thing and also, like, games like Cyberpunk and shit. It's because I, think, I feel like the ones where you're still grounded in this world, but it's, like, tech on top of this world are, like, way more convincing than, like, the ready player ones or the other stuff because it's like yeah you're right like it like people are just like kind of going into those worlds to just get like fed all this like random bullshit but like you are like the shit that actually the tech that's like existing within the world now like pretty much like 90 percent of the stuff we talk about on this podcast is like that's way more like uh minority report type of shit right is because it's just like basically it's it, the tech is coming to you rather than like you going into this like vr world or whatever right? totally but uh yeah it's just funny thing i mean yeah that's honestly one of the most interesting sort of takeaways in a, in a sense is that like the aesthetic is completely different like the aesthetic is so much more like we're being like we're in like adult daycare you know <laughs> for all this shit but some like of it, yeah i mean some of it's pretty bleak i mean like so, like i feel like yeah, some of it is like like I like when you go down like I don't know, not I mean not to like pick on them too much, but like a lot of places of San Francisco, right? It's like you can be like this super glitzy, glossy, like high tech thing, but there's also just like trash and like despair all around you. It's like that's way more like well that part is Blade that Runner part is accurate. Minority Report than like, I, like a like Brave New World or Ready Player One or something like right. that. Right. Well, the street know? level scenes, yeah, it's true. It's like, yeah, no, people live in like miserable, m- abject misery and poverty. And like on the street level, it does look very grimy and terrible. And like for a lot, a lot of the time, you know, I mean, in the places where poor people are like allowed to exist, you know, it's like that's, it doesn't look good. Um, but like in terms of like, you know, whenever you go into, like, the protagonist's home, you know, and it's right. just, like, what is their future sci-fi house? It's, like, always, like, this, like, super, it looks like it was, like, a Frank Gehry design. Everything is this sleek mid-century vision of, except where, like, everything is is desaturated and so on. But, in fact, 
the world that we really live in, where is which has this apt all of the policing, the surveillance, all of those elements of the dystopia are absolutely correct and accurate, like disturbingly so. But the aesthetic of it is way more just like if you were made into a baby again, and it's all just like you know the mem or what that like you know that certain illustration style for like seamless ads, and it's just like you know. Everything is cartoonish and uh, colorful, and it's just like dangling keys in front of your face, basically there, all the there time. There is that, but there's also you know like all the ads for like Tim's or hers or like those type of like medication true, apps. Yeah. I feel like those are kind of on the money though, right? Because true, they're true. all super muted. They're all like overproduced, and they really resemble like a lot of those like maybe especially more like the late two thousand sci-fi movie like like ex machina and type of shit right? right that type of aesthetic which does sort of carry uh, on with this i mean i and i think on a certain to a certain degree it's like it's not it's 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 right because it's not technically or like literally correct but it it, it represents the sort of spiritual deadness yeah. that comes from this which is like everything is just sleek and gray and soulless and like you know even if it isn't literally that even if it's like doesn't physically look like that to the eye it's like that is the truth of it isn't it like you know it is like a dead denuded landscape when you have this much overdetermination and like you know as this film posits it's like do you even have free will at all when you have the when your life is this overdetermined by technology and like your every action is scrutinized in this way it's like perhaps perhaps not well i think that's the thing that like spielberg can't help but do it because it's spielberg so he has to have a happy ending but right. i think <laughs> that if he was committed to the world then like people would see the bullshit of it but still allow it to happen anyway though right because it's like i feel like the same way you see it happen now we've talked about it on the podcast before but so much of the like incremental surveillance shit that happens here in all around the world it's like people never want it to begin with but it's just like if you do it long enough like your appetite for outrage just diminishes in like in, infinitely yeah, fast and totally so it's true. like you can just keep it like as long as you keep it for enough it's like even if you start seeing like there was a headline today about ring that doorbell camera how it's that like, is insanely it's like, dystopian it's just like right like today it's like it's almost like a trump effect when he says like crazy shit like today there was an article about how uh basically it came out that like police were using ring without a warrant when they didn't know they weren't and it doesn't make any news because it's like we've just had it long enough and it's like we've allowed it to be a thing whereas like if that had been the headline three years ago when they first came on it would have been you know not not it would have been a huge thing right and it's, it's like the, same... the soft launch of fascism basically <laughs> yeah it's just no. like people get used to it and they're like oh yeah no i know but, but i think if like if you were being true to the story it's like they could have done this and you know that they, they, we, we skipped this in the in the in the intro but like there is this great scene at the beginning of the movie where it's like uh this advertisement for pre-crime and it's like all these like kids and moms saying like how you know their their significant other like mom got killed and like why they're so happy that like pre-crime is there and they have this line that's like pre-crime it works like it just works and uh i think that's how a lot of people feel about this shit is that like as long as it has some comfort to them at some level it's like even if you prove that it's bullshit they'll be like huh. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, and like, you know, it's also really pre prescient right now where it's like if you open the New York Post any day, it's all about like crime is going through the roof. And it's like, you know, that's not really 
you know, that's a very distorted uh, representation of the reality, you know. You know, that's a very distorted perception of what's actually going on in, in so far as crime is concerned. Like, we aren't living in, like, a fucking, you know, uh, Death Wish-style, like, Mad Max hellscape of, of criminals run amok. Like, far from it. Crime's so, so down from 10, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, there are, you know, without getting into all the politics of it, it's like, yes, since the pandemic, certain crimes have have spiked um in cities like new york san francisco whatever but it's like little it's like a blip up after decades of a downward trend um and, but yet we're being told that we live in like literal yeah fucking the purge um and you know i mean uh that's like you know that's the type of uh that's the type of uh I, I I lost my train of thought. No, I think, I, think <laughs> I get what you're getting at, but I think that it's you know, if regardless of whether it's occurring the way it may seem or not, if that's the way that it's being presented, I think that like that's we're seeing it now. I mean, I mean, a good example is like, uh, it's hard to keep up with them because there's so many. But like, there's been a bunch of fucking school shootings, and I think we talked about it, that like that was immediately an avenue for uh, surveillance and like. Uh, security companies to come in and fill that gap because if you actually look at it it's like you your random person who's like taking your kid to school is like no more likely today than you were yesterday uh to have your kid be implicated in a school shooting but because it's so prescient it's like it makes people way more willing to say okay yes we will like pay several million dollars to have like this like giant surveillance system in our school or like anything like that right right but it's like it's it's like really I mean it's like anything right it's just like the way you perceive it is more important than a lot of times really what's happening and like and you know especially when you're dealing in in the commodity of like fear and like uncomfort and like safety it's like you're kind of working in this like in a in a business of like moments right and like you have you're capitalizing on this moment of like fear or uncomfort or like anything like that and so you know, and like, what's more, you know, what's more, what feels like less, uh, you know, primal than saying like, oh, we have this technology that can like stop killing, you know, it's like, even if I feel like for a lot of people, even if like you can tell there's like some problems with it, like you instinctively are going to like want to keep on holding on to it. If you think maybe it would stop you from dying or like your bomb from dying right whatever, right you know? i mean yeah and yet like people are also like instinctively revolted by a lot of this surveillance shit and like something not but not enough you know like well i don't think it's that they aren't i think it's just that people aren't actually consulted and we don't actually have like none of these things are actually being implemented by way of an actual democracy you know it's not like we're not having referenda where everyone understands what's happening insofar as like facial recognition and all this stuff is concerned i think most people don't really i mean not all i mean you know people love their ring doorbells which are insanely fucking <laughs> yeah, it's literally, no it's literally just a like phone to your cops like yeah it's but i i wonder without like you know giving out too much of personal information of my work it's as an example because we've talked about this we're the same age but like you like you've talked about how like you care about the stuff but it's like it's kind of like 
well, what the fuck can I do type of thing, right? It's just, like, so overwhelming. I think, like, I recently started working with people at my job who are, like, not a lot younger than me, but, like, definitely Gen Z, right? Like, we're on the cusp. And, like, I will say, without, like, having talked to them personally about it, it is interesting that, like, none of them have any interest in, like, even covering any of this stuff, right? Like, which is interesting. And, like... You know, it's the it's the background. But, um, but like, it's... I don't know. It feels I'm not saying diff- it's not it important, feels... but people just take it for granted now, you know? And I think it's very hard to fight against, you know? But I don't... But I think... But I don't know if it's, like... Yeah, take it for granted, I get. Like, and I get the idea of, like, the the incomprehensible nature of it but i do wonder if like now people being born in it for so long that if it's something that like doesn't even register as like being uncomfortable you know what i mean that's i what, think that's, that's what absolutely I'm, that's true what i mean that's people are literally voluntarily documenting you know like no one everyone wants to you know literally i mean this is something for me as like a, a millennial but that like younger people i know who are like doing find my friends and shit like voluntarily <laughs> showing crazy their position me. on the yeah. earth at all times people don't care i mean they don't see i mean and to be frank like well, they didn't know what it was before though either right no Isn't but to be frank it, it's like, like most of the ways in which your life sucks and like the way that you're oppressed is not through like getting snatched by cops or like any shit where like you know it's all diffuse and it's like this type of domination is um that we all sort of live under is mostly you know massaged and in in like fed to us in a sort of pulp that we can't even appreciate and like so we don't even know why and if it gives us like a shred of enjoyment or satisfaction via social media people are like fine fuck it whatever i'm not saying that's necessarily right at all um but it's like it's so diffuse and so omnipresent and it's like every time you even go to the doctor you know it's like you have to fucking sign in and like give your all your information and I think it's a bit of a. Get I mean, an I, app. I get what you're saying, totally, but I I do think it's a bit of a mirage though because I think that like that, that part of it is like fueling all the other shit that's like making that's like, uh, you know, disenfranchising people, right? Because like that is the way that people are able to link you to any crime that you may or may not commit, right? It's the way that like people are able to like put you into like certain type of profile groups for any number of like companies and businesses and i don't know i think it's it's if if you i think we need to all of this is in service of what it's like the accumulation of money it's about it's all for money it's all business interests you know for the most part to the extent is power and law enforcement i mean i feel like there's a lot of competing things yeah but it's true but they're all i mean you know i think for me it's like the whole thing is why it's class power is like what's at the root of this because you know the american state exists to sort of preserve uh you know the american way of uh, the american economic system and like our hegemony in the in the world which comes from that um and i think like this is one of the many tendrils surveillance and so on of this like of this many tendrilled little octopus and I think it's just like if you try to just I, I see it more as like a, a weapon and a symptom than like any root cause, you know, and that's why I, I, I feel like 
it is important, but I think you need to strike at the head, you know, to the extent that you want to do anything. Yeah, I feel. I guess I just see that, like, at least with this particular type of, let's call it, like, uh, extreme surveillance slash policing that's, like, dictated in Minority Report, I guess, like, we're seeing that play out in, like, a lot of different types of societies, though, now, right? Like, across the world today, right? Like, a lot of different, like, both China, the U.S., and, like, you know, post, like, socialist Middle Eastern countries are all employing the same types of But these are all effectively things. capitalist. But I, but I think, though, it's, like, even if They're they weren't, way, though, yeah. like... Even if it wasn't, like the impulse to do that still exists, right? Like, sure, 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 sure. Which, but... which, like, you know, even if you had like a totally like a barter system or whatever, it's like the impulse to like keep the troublemakers at bay exists, right? Like, and so of course, but it's all about like who isn't, you know, it's about like, you know, are people do people have essentially like a semblance of democratic control over like what systems are deployed to to control them? And it's like in this, in this. Under capitalism, basically, we don't at all. It's like average but, people have no power. But if, um, I guess, like, even if you do, though, which, like, even if people do want it, but they want something that's bad for them, I guess that's the question, right? Because I think that, like, if you asked, and they do pull this all the time with, like, the surveillance type of stuff, especially facial recognition, this is one of yeah, the troubles I've had reporting. It, it. Yeah. People are, not overwhelmingly, but they're for but this it, is all right? a function especially of for people. Police. Yeah, but this is, like, but it's, like, yeah, I know. It's a good point. I mean, it's interesting. It's like, you'd like to think people are all very, like, revolutionarily going to cast off their chains at the first op- opportunity, but it's like, you can't underestimate the degree to which people are conditioned by their environment and um, conditioned to, you know, uh, we're told at every point. I mean, it's just like, all you consume is essentially media and a, a version of reality that confirms the 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 right and the preeminence and the sagacity of the status quo you know so people are people are not consuming you know people don't have access to an objective or let alone objective let's say there's no objective but a contrarian point of view on what what we currently live under so the only way out is through and and people just say more 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 like you know it's it's the only option available to us and i i I, it's not um so in in a way i think people are have there is no alternative at present so people are down to say well yeah let's keep applying the same tools that created the problem keep applying them further to try to solve it because that's a reasonable thing but i think once presented with an alternative People would not want to live like Tom Cruise in Minority Report. Yeah, I hear that. I think that like sometimes to even have the alternative, it's like people need to create the alternative, which like we're not seeing. And I think that's like to to square it back. That's that's one of the that's one of the things that I really appreciate about like honestly like sci-fi films and stuff like that is because what they do well is that like you can present this in a way that like feels weird and like icky and like real whereas like all the shit we've been talking about that's why minority report is so good is because like a lot of my writing is about this shit and it's like so fucking hard to like explain in writing like why this is like bad and so like there is never any like recognition that like 
this is should be uncomfortable. But then when you see it like illustrated like this in these sci-fi movies, that is like the clearest way to be like, oh, this is like what this could be. Which I think is like, if you do enough of that, then maybe you have those same people be like, what are the alternatives? Because if you don't, I, I do fundamentally think that if you don't grasp that it's bad, you're not going to make the alternative. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And like, well, and I think people realize in a lot of ways, like you tell someone like, hey, like, you know, Facebook knows all of your data and like, you know, they know exactly where you live and they can try to sell you shit based off that. And you never told them that really that was OK. And yada. people are like, yeah, that's fucked up. But like, what's how would it ever? How could it be different? Um, and I think that's why sci-fi is both good. Yeah, is well, no, not both good and bad. Sci-fi is great because it shows the way in which things are, in like an abstracted way, where like you're seeing basically what is what is your current what is all around you, but in like a different in a different setting that allows you to appreciate the weirdness of it, and then also just as much you're seeing how it can be completely different. Sure, and I think there's something telling about, like, because, like, the movies on themselves, if they're so, abs- like, you know, ridiculous, but then that one part you latch onto, you're like, oh, that's kind of real, and then you're like, wait, this is kind of real, but the rest of it is so dumb, it's like, maybe that makes me feel like th- this thing that I thought was so normal is actually not that normal, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of... um interesting to think about but i think yeah i mean the facebook example is a good one i think without lingering too long on it i think a better or a more common example that is like harder to grapple with and i think is just kind of sadder to me is that like when you go to like the baseball game or you go to like the airport and like you are literally given a choice it's like do you want to like give us an iris scan or do you want to wait 10 more minutes in a line and like 90% of people just like give people the iris scan and they're on an FBI, FBI database for the rest of their lives. That's the shit that like, I feel like is the more uh, common and realistic way that we're sliding into like the, you know, the minority. Report no, but territory, I think, I think right? the, the it's flaw... like this convenience thing. That's like, you know, just, mirage i don't know yeah but i don't i don't think it's fair to say that it's like our own fault you know it's like people are we're choosing this thing because we just are so fat and lazy that we want convenience it's just like these choices have been foisted upon us clearly it's like there's clearly someone else responsible it's like it's these it's say no it's i mean like i know but you know you know understand how human nature works it's like when it's people live busy and difficult and hard lives and it's just like you know yeah you know how it works it's like if you want like this nudge and that nudge and this much more it's like eventually people will not accept more hassle because also people are busy and they can't think about this shit and they're not thinking about like the long-term implications of retinal scans all the time because they have a lot of other stuff to deal with and the point is like it's not that we're so stupid and lazy that we're just like yeah give it to us like people aren't like calling the representatives being like it takes too long to get into the baseball game like let them scan my eyeballs it's just like there are companies who are like actively angling for this because it makes them a ton of money and it serves the interests of you know the police and repressive state as well and it's put in front of us and presented as a choice but it's a false choice you know and it's it's not it's not it's not us being fat and lazy it's like us being really given you know to the extent it's a choice at all it's a false choice and more often than not it's no choice because like 
If I you want to fly, if you want to go somewhere, it's like you have to submit to this shit. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, like to count on my own point, the airport thing at least is like I'm totally bought into a conspiracy that's not even really a conspiracy, which is that like like pre nine eleven or whatever, like you didn't have to do any of this shit. And like now you have to do so much more and like the convenience that they're giving you to give them like their iris scans or whatever is like self inflicted, right? It's like they have like created keep creating the things that like make it harder for you to get through the line. And so in order to like not do that, like it's like yeah, they're like they're 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 creating the problem that they're solving, right? <laughs> and it's like uh and like basically the only way you can get out of it is just like to be like have the worst experience possible yeah have some fucking sweaty but... guy some <laughs> fat sweaty dude like grab your nuts and like but that's extremely authoritarian and bad it is like i just it's have com- to say it like is. that's bad like that's, absolutely that is, is bad the whole thing is bad i mean it's why the war on terror is bad it's yeah. like, like the whole thing you is into awful get, into being on a database like bad it is it is but it's just like we're not really like you said it's like you're not really given it it's not much of a choice is it it's like you have to really care about it to give the to give the choice and a most thought, people right? can't like, really yeah. and it's like even if you do like how much how many how many opt-outs are you given and how much stuff is just like this is how it is now it's like yeah, it's true you got to pick your battles for sure i mean like so i uh, yeah and i think but i think it obscures no, it's true. Like, the, where this shit comes from a lot to say that it's just like we're so late like people want it for because of laziness it's just like nobody asked for this really like most people were not asking for our surveillance state it's like it was foisted on us and presented as a convenience but no one was just like damn i in the 19 in like 1990 was like damn my life's so inconvenient i wish i had like all this fucking i wish i could unlock or like you know i could like access all my data with my fucking eyes or my face or whatever it's just like people were living and it was fine it worked but it was put on us and like presented as this makes your life easier and no one really, there's no alternative. You well, know? there is like a, yeah, there's a, there's, there's no a, easy there's alternative. There's a snowballing effect of it though, because the more of that shit you have, I feel like the more easy it is to like be like, oh, I do actually want that, that next, like, right. Like, now people that, do. Like, yeah, yeah, of course they you know, do now. But we're so locked into it now. But it's like, this was like, you know, let's not obscure the hand of major company, tech corporations. Sure. No, I mean, we're addicted. The, we're literally the surveillance addicted to state all this shit. Yeah. that we talk about a lot who absolutely this is serves their interest and we made us like it's like you know it's stockholm syndrome shit yeah. yes thank you sir may i have another um but it's like it is it's like even if people are clamoring for it like little baby birds it's like it's not what it's not because we want it really or maybe we think we want it now but like that wasn't the genesis of it well any of these like sci-fi movies like, there's a reason why there's always like the fucking couple companies at the top they're like calling the shot like a lot of these like sci-fi's, it's like there is no state even anymore. It's usually just like companies and yeah. stuff. But um, or like that's how cyberpunk works too. But you know, I will say that like protagonists always choose to not do that shit. So you know, try to you know you may fail, but maybe try to be the protagonist. Take the red pill. Take the red pill on this stuff, but not other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> not on. Yeah. Not- <laughs> not on like your uh yeah on the flatter shit not on the uh yeah. epstein shit yeah. not on the, well, uh, well i guess depending on how you look at it depends yeah, on how you look at it yeah yeah on like uh yeah you say gizlane got a fucking 30 got 20 years, years yeah, yeah i think it was 20 yeah um and she said some weird shit about it too she was like basically did not mount she basically like intimated that she was not guilty and it was just like she was put up very funny 
We'll see if she survives it. Although at this point, it's like she's safe. Like if she got through the trial, whatever. Um, should we put a put yeah, a little put bow a on it? That was good. That was great. I, for anyone listening, and you made it this far, check out the movie if you haven't seen it already. I yeah, think you'll like it. A, it's give good. Give it a gander. It's good. I had to torrent it. Really? Where? How did you watch it? <laughs> I watched it on uh, Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. You know, make which way, modern man? <laughs> which way? Will you make your own choice. Um. All right, dude. Uh, let's put a, let's put a little bow on it, and we'll see you see you uh you know next time. Ciao.